creation. Disconnected from God. Because he was God in the flesh and had eternal life in him, he experienced it once and it was relevant for all eternity. But you, if you reject his sacrifice, you will have to spend all eternity in hell. Are you with me? Spiritual death. Spiritual death. Can I tell you something? Too many are on their way to spiritual death. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So are you with me? So the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and says, this is too heavy for men. No man can stand this. The Bible says, like I've explained before, I've seen some new phrases, so I have to explain again. It says the wages of sin is death. And the death is all of this. Are you with me? The wages of sin. He didn't say the wages of sins. In plural. He says the wages of sin. One is death. So if you commit sin a thousand times, you will have to die a thousand times. You will have to experience all of this a thousand times. But how many, life do you, how many lives do you have? Just one. So it is because your one life is not sufficient to pay. So when a man dies on the earth physically, he will have to go to hell and continue dying for the rest of eternity. Are you with me? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 27, For it is appointed unto men who wants to die, and after this the judgment. It is appointed unto men who wants to die, physical suffering. Are you with me? Physical death, physical suffering. Can I tell you something? Man was actually destined to live forever. One of the signs of the fall is that men will die physically. But after that, it's the that man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And he will be there for eternity. But in verse 28 of Hebrews chapter 9, it says, so also Christ was offered once for sins. Are you seeing that? So Christ was offered once for sins so that he would take the judgment. So as it is appointed unto men once to die, so Christ was offered once for once to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look to him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Yeah. Glory! I'm going to explain all of that much more today and we'll finish it tomorrow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the gospel is saying Christ has died your debts. So you no longer have to go through all of this again. He has died your debt. He has taken physical debt for you. But somebody say, ah, what if he has seen he has taken physical debt for me? But Christians still die. You know why Christians still die? Because this body was actually the body of mortality from Adam. But even if you die, at the coming of Christ, you will receive a new body. Are you with me? And that body will be forever. Praise the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. That we are going to receive a new body. But those of us who are alive and remain, at his coming, mortality shall be swallowed up by immortality. Hey! Kaparatete. Ah, can I tell you something? I want to bring this church to a point where when I'm teaching you redemption truths, it's not strange. I mean deep redemption truths. The real substance of what Christ offers. Hallelujah. So he takes our physical death and he takes our spiritual death. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, in the chapter of the gospel of Christ, there is the death of Christ, there is the burial, there is the resurrection, and there is the ascension. Now, the death and burial of Christ deals with the penalty of sin. Are you with me? The death and burial of Jesus Christ addresses the penalty of sin. So, by his physical death, physical suffering, physical death, 
physical punishment. By his burial, he goes and experiences spiritual death. Are you with me? It says, by the grace of God, he has tasted death for every man. Are you with me? So, in his death and burial, he addresses the penalty of sin. But in his resurrection and ascension, he deals with the power of sin. Are you with me? In his resurrection and ascension, he deals with the power of sin. How does he do it? How does he do it? Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First of all, there are some undertones in the gospel which may not be clearly stated, but if you will understand how his resurrection deals with the power of sin or how his death unburial deals with the penalty of sin, you must understand those undertones. You know, when you are a computer scientist or you are a computer person or a computer-related person, you understand what is called software and hardware. Are you with me? Hardware or what they call front-end design is what you can see. But software or what you can call back-end design or what they call programming, those are the codes that make those things in front to work. There is a reason why when you press C on your computer, it is C, U, C. Are you with me? Mm. <laughs> there is a reason why when you use, you press backspace, you will see it. There are some codes. So, there is a reason why his death, his burial, his resurrection and ascension can affect you. Are you with me? One of those codes is called the incarnation. Remember, don't, be, don't feel strange in this service. Remember what the service is, this program. is training in the gospel. Are you with me? What is the incarnation? The incarnation is that God became flesh. Are you with me? That God took up flesh. So, we explained that in the afternoon. That when Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, it was not a normal man that came. It was God that came. Are you with me? God became a man. Why? Because, can I tell you something? No normal man can pay for his sins, first of all. Are you with me? No normal man can pay for his sins. How do you want to pay? First of all, your own sins. The one you started committing from when you were age zero to age 20, it may be two million sins. Can you die two million times? Are you with me? Because the wages of each sin is death. You can't die two million times. What about the fact that we, you are not a sinner just because you committed sin? A, a, a normal man is a sinner because he came from the line of Adam. Are you with me? So when Adam sinned, you sinned. Romans chapter 5 from verse 12 tells us, he says, for that by one man's sin, all men came under death. Let's look at it. Romans 5 verse 12. It says, wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for, the, for that all have sinned. That means because of Adam alone, all men became sinners. What is God's logic? We were in Adam. Are you with me? So if Adam sinned, then we sinned. But I said earlier, you are not the direct son of Adam. You are not the direct daughter of Adam. You are the daughter or the son of somebody who was in somebody who was to infinity in Adam. That means the day you came on the scene, you have a backload of sins to pay for that a million lifetimes cannot suffice. Are you following this? A million lifetimes will not be able. Praise the Lord. So, God must become a man. Because if it's a man that sinned, a man must pay, right? So, God has to become a man so that as God, who has eternal life in himself, he can swallow death. 
They can put all the sins of the entire world upon him, yet he will swallow it. Are you with me? He can take the sins of the entire world, the past, the present, and the future, and yet it will not consume him. So God had to become a man. It's called incarnation. First Timothy 3 verse 16. It says, and without controversy. Everybody read one, two, three, go. God was glory. It says, and without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. What's the mystery? God was manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah. So when Jesus came, it was not just one small boy who came. Say, oh, baby God came. <laughs> no. Why is Jesus Christ called the Son of God? It's because that was the first time God manifested himself in the flesh. Son of God does not mean papa, mo- mother, papa, mama, and children. No. It is that God has said, okay, I want to make myself user-friendly. How will I come in the form where men can see me? That is called the Son. Because as God, he is invisible. Listen. Hmm. That's what the Son of God in the Greek is called the icon. Icon. You will look at that in Colossians chapter 1. Let me show you something. The icon or the image of the invisible God. Just the same way you have your, you can have a very strong program or a, a very deep software in your laptop. Hmm? Maybe it is Photoshop. As powerful as Photoshop is, Photoshop will summarize itself into an icon so that if you click on it, that icon represents the whole of Photoshop. If you click on that icon, the powers behind Photoshop will show up. So that icon is the son of the Photoshop. Do you get it? So Colossians chapter 1 shows us something from verse 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You missed a place to rejoice. Satan may have a particle of the inheritance. Satan may have a particle of the inheritance. Satan may have a particle of the inheritance. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness? Hey! Satan may have been delivered. Satan may have been delivered from the power of darkness. Kai. And has translated us. Hey, he did not say he has transferred us. He said he has translated us. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, that word eh, is, a, is a sermon. Translated. For, his, for him to use that word, translated, it means as he was bringing us into the kingdom of his dear son, he did something to us that made us a different form from when we were in the kingdom of darkness. I will talk about it little in this teaching. But next year, Christ Life Conference, I will teach on the new creation. Hey! He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now he begins to talk about the dear son. What's the CV, the profile of this dear son? Verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is so powerful that he described the redemption through his blood as the forgiveness of sins. Even the forgiveness of sins, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God? Are you seeing this? He's the icon. He's the image. So, I want to see God. I want to see God. Jesus has shown. That's God. When you touch him, you are touching the invisible God. So, one of the first undertones is, 
incarnation. God became flesh. But he did not stop there. The second code, you must understand, so grasp this is the new covenant. Why do you think that just before Jesus Christ went to the cross, he said, this is my blood. Eat, drink, and all of that. Why was he doing that? Let me show you something. Matthew 26, from verse 26. The new covenant can also be called the blood covenant. So before I explain Matthew 26, what is the new covenant or blood covenant? It is that when two people caught a blood covenant, the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Are you with me? So when a blood covenant is caught, we are saying, the person is saying, I have become you. You have become me. You know those things they used to show in movies years ago? A boy and girl will like themselves. They will say, okay, let's cut a covenant. Someone will take his blood and leak. Someone will take the other person and leak. And in the spirit, they have done something. That's what Jesus was doing. But why was he doing this? Matthew 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it. And broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament. Now he was going to share his blood. Are you with me? But he used that as a symbolism to cut that covenant. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Why was he doing this? Because can I tell you something? How will somebody die and it will be credited to your account? How will somebody be bruised and the Bible will say that it was done for you? How? There must be a connection through which the person can be connected to you. So when he does it, it's as though you did it. Let me explain. When the blood covenant is caught, it is that... You and the person are saying, I have become you. You have become me. Jesus Christ had to do this before he goes to the cross so that when he dies, it will be as though it was the apostles representing all of us that died. He had to cut the covenant with man. At least he needs one man or a few men, are you with me? That will represent all of us. So that when he goes to the cross, we will not need to carry the cross, but when you cut that covenant, you have become one with him. So that if he's on the cross... You are not there, but in the spirit you are there. Who is following me? He had to do this so that his death can become your death. Are you following me? Are you following me? So, first of all, God became flesh. But after that, he became us. Mm. Have you ever read that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21? It says, for he hath made him sin for us who knew no sin. How did God make Jesus Christ sin? It was the new covenant. Men had become sin by the disobedience of Adam. So if he will become sin, he will become us by cutting this covenant with us. So that if we are sin, he will become sin. And so that if he becomes righteousness, we have also become righteousness. Do you understand it? For he had made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the idea was, I will become what they are. So that they will eventually become what I am. Are you with me? So, first of all, incarnation. Second of all, the new covenant. Romans chapter 8 from verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. (laughs) It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
Kai, Kai. Certain me have been made free. Certain me have been made free. Then verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak to the flesh. Meaning, those, the laws that God gave them in the Old Testament could not make them righteous. Why? Because the flesh of the men were full of sin. So the law can tell you what to do, but it cannot empower you to do it. Are you with me? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So in incarnation, God sending his own son in the likeness of, of sinful flesh, right? Then the next word is there. And foreseen. Oh, how did he become foreseen? By the new covenant. So, in the likeness of sinful flesh is not enough. He must become foreseen. That likeness of sinful flesh must come to the point where it will be foreseen. Are you with me? In the likeness of sinful flesh and foreseen, condemned sin in the flesh, <laughs> that the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us. Say after me, the righteousness of, of the law is fulfilled in me. So, incarnation and new covenant. From this point henceforth, he had become us. Hmm. You may not agree, so let me show you one more verse. Hebrews chapter 7, from verse 23. Or let me read from verse 22. It says, By so much was Jesus made a shorty of a better testament. Hallelujah. Verse 23. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. So what is this saying? He says there were many priests in the Old Testament. No single priest could continue because after a while, this one will, leave, will do his work and die. Are you with me? And truly there were many priests because they, they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Verse 24. But this man, because he continued forever, had an unchangeable priesthood. Are you seeing this? Because this man, he lives on forever. That means his priesthood can never end. Are you with me? Verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost. That come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Praise the Lord. Verse 26. For such an high priest became us. Are you seeing this? The high priest became us. How? New covenant. So from this time henceforth. His death has become our death. We don't need to be on the cross. If our high priest is on the cross, then in the spirit, we are on the cross. Are you with me? We don't need to go to hell any longer. If our high priest went to hell, then we went to hell. It has been fulfilled already for us. Are you with me? And when he resurrects, whatever God does to him in the resurrection has become our own already. Are you with me? When he defeated the devil, that means we defeated the devil. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Kaparate. I don't know what this means to you. That means the victory of Christ was not for Christ, it was for you. The glory of Christ was not for Christ, it was for you. When he ascends into the heavens, it was us that also ascended with him. That is why at the coming of Christ, we are not going to be the ones begging him. His ascension in the spirit was our ascension. So that time we will manifest to the world what he had done more than 2,000 years ago. Are you with me? No wonder he says you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because by the new covenant, his, his glorification is your own also. Mm. Mm. Are you with me? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. So by his resurrection. Ah, can we talk about resurrection today? Can we? 
We have a few minutes left. So what is the good news in his resurrection? What is the good news in his resurrection? Number one, by his resurrection, we have assurance. After me, I have assurance. When Jesus Christ was on the earth, he came and announced to the world, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. But how can we be sure that what he said is true? <laughs> because many people, any human being can rise up and say, I'm the way. One man can claim he has a vision and claim, I'm the way. Can I tell you something? Of all the four religions on the earth today, no one except Christianity has an empty tomb to his founder. Do you know what it meant for Christ to die and resurrect? He's saying, nobody can tell you about the, un- the underworld. Nobody can tell you about eternal life. Nobody can tell you about life after death except me because I have gone there and I have come back. Every other person, when they went to the dust, they went to the dust forever. So when Christ died and resurrected, he has told you, I am the way. When he tells you I am the way, you must believe him. Can I tell you something? People were prayed for to rise up from the grave. Nobody prayed for Jesus. Are you with me? He came out. He proved that he had authority over death. So he has given us assurance. Acts 17 from verse 30. He says, And the times of this ignorance, God had wintered. Acts 17 verse 30. One, two, three, go. God wintered. But now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Verse 31. Or let's read again from verse 30. One, two, three, go everybody. Verse 30. God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. Read it again. I cannot feel you. Read it again. One, two, three, go. God winked at, but now commanded all men everywhere to repent. What's the repentance? To believe. Are you with me? Verse 31. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he had ordained, whereof he had given assurance unto all men in that he did what? In that he raised him from the dead. The assurance that one day God will judge the world and you will be on the good side is that Christ rose up. Hmm. The assurance of eternal life is that Christ rose up. Because he lives, we shall live also. Are you with me? If he rose up from the grave, every one of us that believe in him, we are also going to rise. Praise the Lord. Number two, the gospel in his resurrection is that by his resurrection, we can now become new men. We can now become new men. So you can put new birth and eternal life. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. First Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. So let me wait for you to write first. Oh, today, Lord, you will change someone's story. In the name of Jesus. You will change someone's story in the name of Jesus. First Peter chapter 1, from verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father. Everybody wants to three go. But the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Woo! So 
the reason why we can be begotten again is because Christ rose up. Hmm. Do you remember that time when Nicodemus came to meet Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus looked at him and said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Shall he enter into the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, whosoever is born of the flesh, is flesh. And whosoever is born of the spirit, is spirit. So if you'll be born again, you'll be born again by the spirit. But does that really explain what, how it will happen? You cannot really explain that this is how it will happen. But let me explain what happened to you. So remember, we were one with him by the new covenant, right? And Jesus became us. And when he became us by the new covenant, he became sin. Are you with me? But when he went to hell, God did something to Jesus. And he became a new man. If Jesus Christ became a new man, then those of us who have become one with him, we also will become new men. Are you with me? Mm. So are we ready for some short Bible study? Short Bible study. Can I tell you, if you understand this? Ah. Okay. Okay. So we'll put three scriptures together to solve this puzzle. Give me Psalms chapter 2 from verse 7. Let's read. Give me Acts chapter 13 from verse 26 to 33. Somebody said, today church, eh, with the right for both. He's trained, he's trained in the gospel. Tell your neighbor, training in the gospel. Give me Hebrews, Hebrews 1 from verse 5. And give me Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 from verse 19. Okay, let's do from 18 to... Ephesians 1 from verse 18 to 20. So let's start with Ephesians 1 from verse 18 to 20. Are we ready? So this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church. He's praying for them. He says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling... And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? So look at that. God's inheritance is where? In the saints. Aye. So after me, God's inheritance is in me. God's inheritance is in the saints. Well, verse 19. He's still praying that you know what is hope of your calling and the riches of his glory, which is inheritance in the saints, and that you also know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. He's telling you that when Christ rose up from the dead, God demonstrated the exceeding greatness of his power. Are you with me? Are we together? He said when he rose Christ from the grave, God demonstrated the exceeding greatness of his power. Do you know why? Because Christ was not just inside the tomb. His, his soul went to hell. Remember the afternoon session? His soul went to hell. How would somebody that went to hell as a sinner come out and still be able to sit on the right hand of God? It won't be possible that a person who is sin personified will be able to sit on the right hand of God. For that to happen, God must do something to that person that when that person comes out, he will not be the same again. And don't forget, you and that person are now one. Hmm. When you are thinking about this verse, bring out 1 Timothy 3, verse 16. It says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The next one is what? Justified in the spirit. 
for him to be justified in the spirit, it means he was accused in the spirit. You can only justify somebody who has been accused, right? So for him to be justified, he was accused. So there was a time when he was seen. There was a time when all of the sin of mankind had come on him. But at what point was he justified? At what point did he move from he carrying sin because we were sinners? So at what point was he that was seen not transformed to the point where he had become justified and also called the righteousness of God so that we also become the righteousness of God? At what point? It was in Ephesians 1 verse 18 to 20. So after Christ has gone to hell and his one descent into hell has paid for all of us to go to hell, right? So we no longer have to go to hell. God must do something to him. And that was what Ephesians 1 verse 18 is telling us. That when God had to transform Jesus Christ, he began to put in power. That God was putting in so much power that when God was done, he was able to move him from hell to the right hand of God in heaven. And when he was doing that, you were inside him. Are you with me? Can I tell you something? The power was so much that when God was done releasing power into Jesus, he had become a new creature entirely. So, look at Psalms chapter 2. Let's come to Psalms chapter 2 verse 7. 1, 2, 3, go everybody read. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. If you read this with a normal literal understanding, you would think that was the day Mary gave birth to him. But you see, the Bible explains the Bible. So, let's go to Acts chapter 13. I wanted to read Hebrews 5, but Hebrews 5 is saying the same thing like Psalm 2. Right? Hebrews 5 is actually saying the exact same thing Psalm 2 verse 7 is saying. So let's go to Acts 13 from verse 26. Everybody, one, two, three, go. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, who saved among you that feared God, to you is the word of these salvation saints. Verse 27. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Verse 28. And though they found no cause of death in him, yes, desired they pilot that he should be slain. Verse 29. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Kai. But God raised him from the dead. You know, he didn't just, he did not just say, and he rose up from the dead. He said, but God raised him from the dead. That means God did something to him that made him to rise. Hmm. God did something. But that was not all. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. Verse 32. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto, unto the fathers. Verse 33. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children. Pay attention now. In that he raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Do you remember we read, when we read the second psalm? Pay attention. Don't, don't miss this place now. It says, God had fulfilled the same unto us, their children. In that he raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. So, this fulfillment of thou art my son, this day have I given birth to thee. Or this day have I begotten thee. Was it at his birth or at his resurrection? At his resurrection. That means when Christ was being raised from the dead, he was a brand new man. 
And how was he a brand new man? Because the power of God entered into him. And when the power of God was entering into him, you were inside him. Are you with me? So if Christ became a new man, at his resurrection, you have become a new man. Hey! 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 That means when the power of God was being put into Jesus Christ, in God's mind, he was melting power into you. He was melting power into you. Kai, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 18. Let's go there again. He was putting power into you. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, number one. And number two, the riches of the glory of his inheritance, number two. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? He wants you to know how much power came into you the day Jesus Christ was being raised from the dead. Because when the power was coming into Christ in the spirit, it was entering into you too. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us what who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ. Which he wrought in Christ. And right now you are in Christ. Are you with me? So if he wrought that power in Christ, he wrought that power in you. That is why he wants you to know about it. Are you with me? Which he wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. That power that was put into Christ has been put into you. That was the power that made him a new creation. That same power has made you a new creation. Meditate on that a little bit. Oh. I know some of you, you don't still understand. So let me help you. Let's look at another verse of the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 15. Let me read from verse 14. It says, For the love of God constrained us, because we trust George, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So if Christ had to die for all men, then all men deserve to die, right? For if Christ, if one died for all, then we're all dead. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and did what? He did not just die for them. He died for them and did what? Rose again. Are you with me? He died for them and did what? He rose again. That means he also rose again for them. Mm. Now, verse 16. He says, Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. So after he died for them and rose again, we don't know any man after the flesh. Because the same the Jesus that died is not the same guy that rose. A different, he has taken a different form. Are you with me? By the power of God that has been pumped into him. He died as a normal man. He came out as a spiritual man. Are you with me? He died in corruption, but he was raised in glory. Can I tell you something? He died having some physical limitations. But when he rose, he said, touch me. I have flesh, I have bones, right? Yet, the door was closed and he walked through. Ah. He said, wherefore, henceforth, no, no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth, meaning, yet now henceforth, after he has risen, know we him no more. So, after Christ has risen, you cannot know him after the flesh anymore. He has changed. The power of God has given him a, a higher status. He has become a new creation in a different status in God's economy. Are you with me? He now says, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Why is he a new creature? Because Christ became a new creature. Are you with me? So by his resurrection, Christ has become a new creature. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
You know, most times everybody read therefore if any man be in Christ. They don't try to go back. When you see therefore, you have to stop and know what is therefore. Are you with me? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Why? Because Christ was the first one to become a new creature. Ah, you missed the place to rejoice. So because he rose, I am now a new creature. Hey, if he died and did not rise, my sins would have been paid for, but I would have still been under the nature of sin. Are you with me? My sins would have been paid for, but I would have still been under the power of sin. That nature of sin that was in Adam that began to influence the whole human race would have still been my nature. My sins have been paid for, but I have not been changed. Because can I tell you, salvation is not just payment for sins, but freedom from sins. You are a new man right now. You are a new man right now. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a new man right now. You have a new DNA right now. No wonder he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So because he rose, I have risen. Hallelujah. 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 I expected you to rejoice more than this. Ah. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Can I tell you, this, this subject, eh? This is where Christianity starts from. Hallelujah. Two verses. Two verses. And we'll begin to round up. Romans chapter 4 verse 25. Romans 4 verse 25. He was talking about Jesus Christ here. He said, who was delivered for our sins? And what happened next? Was raised for our justification. Oh, so in his death and burial, he took care of our sins. But for us to be declared not guilty, meaning justified, he had to rise. Are you with me? Can you see there that is actually two people he's talking about? If a man had sins, it's, it's supposed to be he was there for our sins and raised for our forgiveness. So this man had sins and he's saying, okay, please forgive me. Then he said, I'm sorry. We are forgiven. But you, are, you shall have sins. But now, he says he was de- delivered for our sins and he was raised so that we will become new men who never sinned. He was raised for our justification. Over to Romans 5 from verse 10. Are we there? Everybody, one, two, three, go. <laughs> Are you seeing this? So, by the death of his son, we are reconciled to God much more. Hey. After the death, there was something called much more. Ay, 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 ay. There was much more. Oh, so the death was as powerful as it was. There was still much more. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So that means the core of salvation is more than just your sins being paid for, but that you have received a new life by becoming a new creation. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The last verse for today. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. He says, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Verse 23. 
Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified him. Verse 24. See, this place, I want you to open your spirit and embrace it. Are you with me? Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. He's saying that Jesus Christ, it was not possible for him to be held by death. It was not possible. Because the kind of power that came into him, it, is not, it was not possible. But don't forget, by the new covenant, you are one with him. When that power came into him, it came into you. Therefore, it is not possible. It's not possible for you to be limited. Gosh. It's not possible for you to be stranded. No matter what has happened in your life, this is not the end. It's not possible. That's why I came to end my message today. It is not possible for death to have the final say. It is not possible for the enemy to have the final say in your life. Are you hearing me? It is not possible for you to end as a failure. Ah, Shakapa, begin to pray in tongues right now.